Hello, everyone. Welcome to Random Encounter, episode 224. My name is Jonathan Logan, and I am not Greg Delmage. Um, yes, last week I told you that Greg was going to be back, uh, and uh, he's he's not. He's lost in the Bermuda Triangle. No, he's not. He, uh, he just got a big promotion at work, and that is, like, completely awesome for him. But he is also running around right now trying to figure out his responsibilities, trying to figure out uh, basically his job. And so he's going to be doing that. I might be with you for a few more episodes, uh, solo hosting, but Greg will be back and then we'll be uh, back to your regularly scheduled programming. But at any rate, we have a fantastic episode for you today uh, with some folks who haven't actually been on the show for a little while, and I am absolutely delighted to have them. First up is Abe Kobolanski. Abe, how are you doing? I am pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Last time you were on the episode was... Uh, Gosh, about 20 episodes ago, or 12 episodes ago. ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it was 12 episodes ago, and you were talking about a game that you didn't really love all that much, if I recall. Yeah, I, I'm kind of sad to see how uh, Outriders turned out. It, it was a game that had potential. It, it looks like it's kind of crashed and burned since then. But thankfully, you're here, and you are going to be talking about two games that you actually did really enjoy, and that are really good. This is true. And also joining us uh, for the first time in quite a while is Pete Leavitt. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you doing, Pete? I'm great, man. I'm here. I'm I'm ready to talk PlayStation. Shoot. Yeah, PlayStation had a big week this week. They did a big presentation and everything, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit later because there is an awful lot of news to get into, a lot of it RPG-related. Uh, but first, let me ask you, how you guys are How are you guys doing? How is how is life going uh, in your respective parts of North America? Well, I... I feel like I lived an entire life since I, <laughs> since the last time I was on this show. It's okay, Abe. I feel like I lived an entire life since the last episode of this show. Yeah, I got my vaccination. Uh, went to, went on vacation to Florida. First vacation in a couple of years because of the, because of the pandemic. Tried to learn to surf. Uh, surfing is a lot harder than it looks. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason why those surfer dudes are so ripped. Uh, they're upper. You got to have a strong upper body to do it. Um, and uh, I. I left my breakfast in the ocean, so <laughs> that was uh, that was my Florida vacation. That's a lot of physical activity, man. That'll, that'll do it to you. Yeah, the ocean fights back. Yeah, uh, and then we've also I've also moved into a house for the first time since I moved out of my parents' house a while ago. Congrats! <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. huge news. Not owners, but but we live here. You don't need to be owners. It's your home. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to, well, you're in Florida, just out of curiosity, because I apparently am a massive tourist. Did you get to Disney World? I did not. Nope. Didn't make it. We were, uh, we were in the Orlando area. So your breakfast was only left in the ocean. It was not left on Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> we were going for a little bit of a cheaper vacation. And, um, so, you know, the beach is, the beach is a cheap vacation. That sounds really relaxing and nice. It, it was. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Cool. And Pete, how are you doing? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, a whole, whole lot of what it was last time I was on just, you know, Thankfully, still the barbershop is rocking and rolling and we're actually really busy. I'm like at my peak right now and I have one other barber with me, but he's pretty much at his peak too. So we're having to turn a lot of people away. I'm, I'm booked out like a month, <laughs> which is nice. It's a huge, I'm very, very thankful, but it's also, it also sucks getting phone calls all the time and being like, yeah, I can take you in like three weeks. And they're like, oh, but my hair's long now. <laughs> right. Right. So, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's good. It just points to, to a lot of good fortune, thankfully on, on our end, but like mostly that, like, you know, just family and a lot of barbering and seeing as I am a, a, a cool, a cool person, um, as much Genshin impact as I can fit in that. But, uh, 
I'm joking. But other than that, um, yeah, you know, trying to get some games in there, trying to read a book <laughs> as well every now and again, trying to get a book in, but trying to enrich my life with stuff other than just work, but not always succeeding. But it's yeah, that's good. I can't complain. I actually know what you're talking about. I uh, I just got back from Nova Scotia. And while I was in Nova Scotia, I was like, I'm going to get a haircut in Nova Scotia because it's safe there. And I called up every barbershop I could find. And they were like, yeah, we can see you in November. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I've got to record a podcast. <laughs> record a podcast. Um, but no, I, I just got, I, I get back to uh, Ontario and there are many, many more uh, barbershops. And there was one barbershop that is just downstairs uh, from in my building, which is open on Mondays, which apparently is a bit of a rarity. And I got my first haircut in two years today. Well, congratulations. That's almost as big a deal as Abe's house. <laughs> it might be a bigger deal, depending on how long your hair was. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a mess. I actually felt bad after he finished. I looked down. I was like, oh, my God, you're going to need like two big mops to take care of this. Yeah, the, the barbershop closed on Monday thing, man. Good old microeconomics. So it's not so much the case anymore. You see a lot more barbershops that aren't that. You know, the clothes on Monday is like a very traditional thing that's kind of like going away. But it's a traditional thing in theater, too. It's called Dark Day Mondays. Uh, like whenever I was working in the theater, Monday would always be a dark would always be a dark day because you that's because you got to work on Saturday, baby. Barbers yeah, and you, theater people. Yeah, you do two shows on Saturday and you do a Sunday matinee and then you'd get like a day off just to recover from that three show nightmare. Yeah, but Monday was Monday was always the traditional day off. In Ohio, everything's closed on Mondays, it seems like. <laughs> that would rock for me. I'm like, I got to run errands on Monday. Oh, everything's closed. Uh. You know, sometimes you think about, oh, where are we going to get dinner today? Oh, everything's closed. We can't. <laughs> so because we're, we're having dinner here yeah. at the house. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that you're both doing so well and that uh, professionally and in terms of getting a house, which is amazing. Um, so let's, uh, let's do a little bit of talking about some video games that have come out recently. Abe, I wanted to talk to you about you, uh, just last week we put up a review on the site for Black Book. Um, and this is kind of a, it's kind of like a roguelike, but it's a turn-based RPG and it's kind of uses card-based mechanics, but kind of not like what, 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 tell, tell us a little bit about Black Book. You really liked it. You gave it an 88. I really did like it. Uh, it, it's interesting that you, yeah, I, I, I talked about how the, the genre is kind of, uh, it, it's kind of complicated to define. So if you've played roguelikes before and you, uh, just took a minute to sit down with Black Book, uh, and you took a glance at it. You, if you look at the uh, like the the map, the, you know the overworld map with the you know with the dots on it, with the you know encounters and such at, at each location. Uh, if you took a look at the combat, if you took a look at the uh, the deck building screen, you'd say this is a roguelike. Uh, it, it's a little bit different. Um, one of the hallmarks of roguelike games is that uh, they have kind of a sparse story. You know, if you played like like Slay the Spire or or even uh, Hades, the which is the kind of the king of roguelikes right now, you would say that the uh, the story is kind of well certainly nonlinear. Uh, roguelikes I think have a fairly unique uh, story structure from uh, other RPGs. Yeah, generally speaking, roguelikes are sort of they can't have stories and they can't have very engaging characters, but they're also tremendously focused on the overall gameplay experience and the gameplay loop. And it has to be because if it's not a good gameplay loop, literally it's dead. Right. So Black Book, on the other hand, is it places a, a, a heavy emphasis on the story. Uh, is is very, uh, very story driven game. Uh, that's that's how it feels more, much more like a traditional RPG. Uh, it, it's a it's a very linear story. Uh, in in a lot of roguelikes, you you have like the you 
like on your your main map, uh, you have your objective, and then you have uh, several paths that lead to the the main objective. Uh, in this game, you have one path that leads to your main objective. Uh, there are kind of opportunities to explore off the beaten path a little bit, but there's only there's only one objective at a time. And uh, so, in a lot of roguelikes, you know, if you if you lose the game, you get kicked all the way back to the beginning of the game. That's kind of a, a pure roguelike. Uh, in this game, you that doesn't happen. If you lose, then you usually have the opportunity to just start over from the moment where you lost, whether it's in a battle or you pick the wrong the wrong choice in a conversation. That's that's something that can happen in this game. You can you can lose the game if you pick the wrong choice in a conversation. Ooh. It, this game is actually much more forgiving than than roguelikes, and I think that's probably a good sign that this is kind of a this could be like a kind of a gateway game for you're, if you're kind of interested in roguelikes, but you're concerned about uh, the the backbreaking difficulty that uh, that they usually have. If you played something like Slay the Spire, it would it just feels uh, extremely similar. Yeah, I'm looking at some screenshots here, and it's uh, yeah, it has that vibe. Yeah, well, I mean, it has it has that vibe with a much more macabre uh, look to it. Yeah, a a hopeless thing. I noticed that it's you have it's it's set at the the late 1800s in Russia on the cusp of the communist revolution, which is not not necessarily the happiest of times. Yeah, uh, it's a you know this is a this is a dark fantasy game. <laughs> uh, the the black book that uh, that is referred to in the title is. Uh, it comes from like a sort of a satanic power. Uh, the the main character has to make a deal with Satan in order to in order to gain those powers, as one does. As one does, yes. Yeah, it is a fairly dark time. Uh, it's you know it, this is like pre industry even. My understanding is this is based on some kind of like like Norse culture. Is that right? Did I get uh, that Russian? Right? Rus- uh, dude, okay, you said yeah, Russian Revolution, my, the Communist Revolution. Yeah, sorry about that. Yes, got it. That's the the famous Communist Revolution in uh, <laughs> in Norse mythology. I love the idea of there being like what was it? it that's that's why they called they called him the Red, Eric the Red. It was because he was a communist. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, so so it's drawing off of like some kind of Eastern European thing with some maybe like Christian idea of like hell and Satan. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of demonology, uh, uh, very uh, Russian Orthodox Church uh, based folklore and, and mythology and legends and things like that. Out of curiosity, how much? I mean, obviously, it's set in this period. Is there an element of historical fit? Like, does the t- does the location and the era impact the actual overall game? Or is there like are there worries in the land about the communist revolution, or is it just like that kind of a setting, or is it just people are really, really, really poor? There actually are a lot of references to the the communist revolution. It's it's a little bit subtle. Uh, I don't have a great grasp of Russian history. <laughs> I started taking a class on Russian history in college once, but I, you know, it was kind of one of those extra classes, and I, <laughs> uh, it came time for my term paper to be due, and I was just like, uh, "No, I'm done. <laughs> uh, I'm going to drop that one." If you could only go back in time and be like, "No, someday you're going to need to be on a podcast," <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's let's dive into a little bit about the actual mechanics of the turn-based battle. So you mentioned it's a little bit like uh, Spire uh, in that it uses card so it's a car it's a it's a deck build kind of rpg how is it similar how does it differ uh from spire would you say it's extremely from uh, extremely similar to slay the spire um i i haven't played a ton of that game but i i did play a little bit of it and you know the first tutorial 
I, I sat down and, and tried it and I was like, this is, you know, this is basically Slay the Spire. It, it's basically the same. I think that once you get out of like, you know, kind of the first area of the game, um, I think it starts to find a little bit of its own footing uh, in terms of uh, how the mechanics work. There's a big emphasis on, on duration effects. Um, there's an emphasis on, on building uh, a big, massive, you know, uh, attack uh, value or a big uh, defense value in order to... Uh, in order to deal with the, the enemies properly. I've played a few deck-building RPGs. The only one I've really played was uh, uh, SteamWorld Quest, and I gotta admit, I wasn't in love with the system there. It might have just been that game. It might not have been the overall system, because I never have played uh, Spire. But I do know that like a lot of people are getting fairly... What was the name of the... There was a recent announcement about a uh, the big Marvel RPG um, that just got announced, and it's going to be using... It's going to be using card-based mechanics, and uh, people kind of freaked out a little bit about that. Midnight Suns—that's it. It's Marvel's Midnight Suns. Yeah, Midnight Suns. What, yeah. what, what is your take on card-building mechanics in terms of uh, how it works in an RPG? Uh, I, I guess I haven't really uh, ever been a, a big fan of card-based combat myself, generally. But uh, I, I was a Magic: The Gathering player probably a, a couple decades ago, back in when I was in high school, and. This sort of uh, card-based combat gives uh, a very similar feeling to like the metagame within Magic: The Gathering. You know, of the strategy of of building a deck that can handle certain enemies, uh, handle certain uh, attacks, and and things like that. Uh, if you play Magic: The Gathering, uh, th- there was there's always uh, you know always new expansions that come out, and there's kind of a there's kind of excitement. I, I always had a kind of excitement of uh, whenever a new expansion would come out, you know, new cards, uh, which means that you can uh, work out new strategies. And it's it's always interesting to see what kind of new cards, uh, you know, would come out. This game sort of has a similar uh, season structure or, or uh, expansion structure. And it, and it gives a lot of the same feeling of, you know, diving into uh, a new mess of cards uh and coming up with new strategies you know i i like like you mentioned i haven't ever really been that big of a fan of deck building games or card-based combat uh either this looks really interesting because it's that mix of like slavic myth orthodox church revolutionary you know backdrop going on so i mean that's just cool and unique in itself but there were a couple games that did make me kind of a believer and that kind of make me all right with what's going on with midnight suns and make, and, you know, I'm, I might end up playing that game. I might not, we'll see. And, but, um, but that makes me more interested in this game, certainly. And that was Yggdra union on the game boy advance, which was like a turn-based tactics game, like fire emblem, but it used cards really cleverly. And that was the first one I played where I was like, oh, okay, cards make sense. And this is cool. This isn't how I imagined it would be. And um, not long ago, we did a podcast on Baton Kaitos, which was a JRPG that used a, co- a totally card-based combat mechanic. That was also pretty fun. So uh, recently, I've been made a bit more of a believer in that kind of thing. So this is really interesting. I might pick this up. There are things that I really do like about the card game mechanics, one of which being that, yeah, you, you select your deck so you can select your attacks, but there still is that element of randomness that keeps you on your toes. So you can't just go into... Uh, autopilot mode to grind or things like that you always need to be paying attention to what you have to work with uh and the enemies and you know basically 
deal a strategy that will work for each particular encounter. And not to steer this too much into card card based mechanics generally, but like that does abstractly really play into the beat by beat narrative of the gameplay itself. Like if you take gameplay as its own type of narrative, you know, if let's just say you were like battling a demon uh, and you had other demons you were making deals with or whatever, and you had them uh, certain attacks or certain abilities represented by cards abstractly that could represent like any given situation in that kind of intense scenario that might make you have to switch up, um, your approach based on your circumstances, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of like a, 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 a top down, like abstract way. It can make a lot of sense um, thematically. And so that's it, pretty cool that, yeah, this game, this isn't the first I've heard of it, but I, I've enjoyed listening to Abe talk in depth about it. I'm really interested in it now. Yeah. I think that the, I mean, and it sounds in, very intriguing in terms of not just the setting, but also the story. It does not sound like what you would call a traditional RPG hero saves the day selfless hero story it sounds like you are like i mean at one point uh in your review which might be one of my favorite lines i've read in a review this year you say there's always a weighty downside to being in league with satan true words imagine that (laughs) it it never ends well for uh when you yeah when you make a deal with uh when you make a deal with the devil even if it's a cute cat oh that's a demon that's that's a whole different story (laughs) oh that's a demon okay so that's a that's a good demon too uh (laughs) i think something else i really like about the idea of card-based mechanics is that it gives you the potential for you even mentioned it in the review here uh you talk about how bosses are not so much just like grind fest or anything like that it, it, there's a slight almost puzzle aspect to them yeah the bosses are much more puzzly than your your standard enemies you know just the the, the pattern of of how they they attack and uh use duration effects and how they use defense it's gonna put you a little bit more out of your element than just the standard enemies i often found that i would go and fight fight the boss get my ass kicked then have to go back and formulate a strategy. Uh, there was uh, kind of a lot of trial and error uh, to the the boss fights, but it was it was a good challenge. You know, it uh, it really forced me to go back and rethink my strategies, uh, dig into the the mechanics of the game that would be revealed over time throughout the game, and you know, just come up with something that works. <laughs> I often have to re- redo my entire deck <laughs> uh, to to make it work then that's a strategy aspect of it yeah you know it was it was yeah and that was a it made for a good challenge uh i i like that the the game both forces you to dig into the newer mechanics that uh that come out over time but also you know if you have a strategy that you like you can often simply incorporate some of the new mechanics and and simply adjust your preferred strategy you can do things a little bit your own way and also, you really need to dig into what the game gives you. Mm. That's a tactics game, like magic formula, right. right? Like how much do you just hard counter everything so, so that you make it just a puzzle? And how much do you allow for the flexibility of building organic tactics? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I thought it did a good job of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, allowing a, a bit more individuality for the player. But, but you still have to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. You got to pay attention. That's cool. Uh, I like that there is the the possibility that you could uh, come up with a deck that wouldn't be able to beat anything. So uh, you you do. Uh, this is definitely a thinker. You you definitely need to have your thinking cap on to take on the enemies in this game. And it also sounds like you not only have the usual 
turn-based combat, but you mentioned in the review there is something called Durak, Durak. a more strategic version of war. Yeah, it would have been nice if uh, if one of the, the drawbacks of this game is that uh, a lot of things just aren't explained particularly well, mm. and Durak is unfortunately one of those. It's a, it's a game played with uh, standard uh, playing cards. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's kind of like war, but with a little bit more strategy. You know, it's a, it's a really interesting idea of uh, playing a card game with demons for your soul. <laughs> uh, I just watched, uh, you know, The Seventh Seal uh, recently. And, uh, you know, in that movie, the, uh, a medieval knight plays a game of chess with death. It kind of gives that same, <laughs> that same narrative uh, thematic feeling of playing a card game with demons uh, for with your soul at stake. <laughs> mm-hmm. I recently rewatched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where they played Battleship <laughs> yeah. with Death. So I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, th- I think this game sounds really cool. It looks really cool too. It has a really, uh, it has a very unique visual design, which I appreciate because I mean, not everyone can afford, uh, you know, AAA level graphics. It's just impossible under budget. So what you can make up for with, you can make up for it in striking visual design. And this game certainly looks like it has it. Looks awesome. Yeah, this game is, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, There's a lot of the elements, um, a lot of the environments feel like uh, it kind of looks like a watercolor uh, painting. Uh, A lot of the colors are kind of more muted, but it uh, that just makes you know the lighting effects and like smoke effects and things like that just really pop out. There's a great era of like Soviet animation in like the 60s and 70s, and this reminds me of like an ultra refined version of that. I don't know how animated the images are when you're playing it, but it kind of looks like some of that old Soviet animation stuff. That's pretty cool. It could be. Uh, that's not. Not something I'm particularly uh, knowledgeable about, but that sounds neat. Yeah, I mean, they're, the studio that developed it, uh, Mordiksha? What is it? I, I can't pronounce it. Morteshka. Mortes- yeah, Morteshka, I guess. Uh, they are Russian-based, so this is a Russian... Like, it's very. It, it, it has to be authentic because it's based in Russia. Like, they they were able to pull from their own mythology and uh, and history in order to create this game, which is probably why it seems so authentic because it is authentic yeah and i, th- I think it's i think that's a an area of uh, literature and folklore and myth that uh, especially people in the west probably aren't particularly familiar with yeah it doesn't make so, it out here so much yeah so it'll yeah it, the story has a, a pretty unique feel you know there there is a heavy religious aspect to it but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like something you'd see in a, a religious story that was released in this half of the world <laughs> feels very different. How's the voice acting? Like you mentioned, you mentioned that it seems a little bit hammy. How is the overall sound design, like music, that kind of thing? The music was really good from what I remember. It was, it was a little bit subtle. Uh, there is, it was a little heavy on the accordion, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, but it was good. Uh, you know, um, I, I enjoyed it. One thing I, I really enjoyed uh, was uh, while you're exploring, sometimes you'll uh, come across a group of young people who will, uh, want you to join them in a song, and then it'll throw in like pro- what's probably a some sort of Russian Orthodox hymn. I don't know if it was recorded like specifically for this game, or if it was, or if they just bought a recording or whatever. But uh, those songs are very, they're very stirring, <laughs> and they they fit extremely well with the uh, with with the graphical style. Uh, it, it just makes for a very uh, spiritual moments. That's really nice. Do you play? You played with the voice, the English voice acting. Was did you check I out did. the Russian voice acting? Was it actually available? It was. Um, I, I thought the Russian voice acting sounded better, probably. But it's one of those things where I, 
I probably played through about half of the 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 game with the the English acting, and then I said, oh, thought, oh yeah, I, I guess I should probably see how the Russian is too. That's how that's how I play a Yakuza game nowadays. I'm like playing it in Japanese, and I'm like, oh, I should probably check the English. <laughs> but I feel like you know, once I start a a story, I'm probably gonna stick with whatever I started with. Yeah, <laughs> even though I I probably preferred the Russian from the little bit I heard. It seems like a very authentic game. It was created by a Russian studio. It's set there. There's something about the actual language being used, presumably with you know, hopefully a half decent uh, subtitle translation, would just be a very authentic way to play the game. Yeah, uh, and I think that. Um, a lot of the uh, the voice actors did double duty. Uh, they did both the, the Russian tracks and the English tracks. That's actually ridiculously impressive from an acting point of view. Yeah, it, it is really. Um, you'll hear some some really strange uh, uh, pronunciations of some words uh, that you wouldn't hear from a native English speaker. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, you talked about the cat. Uh, <laughs> uh, the word uh, feline, they pronounce feline. A feline? I don't know of any... You know, of any accent that would that would pronounce that word that way. Okay, I would say that Feline is actually a fairly cute name for like a cat. Yeah, like had, I, like, I mean, I had, liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Feline the cat. Yeah. Actually, I do kind of like that. Well, it sounds like Black Book is a game that's really worth checking out, especially if you like card-based mechanics uh, and this period of history. It's it's a lot of RPGs tend to put you into a very fantasy setting that may be inspired by various places, but aren't really those places. But this one takes place in a very definite time uh, and really makes you feel like, I guess you're there. And that's a really interesting, an interesting choice that it sounds like really paid off for them. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, that's cool. There's, uh, we don't want to talk about it too much because this is the review that you did before this one, but it's a game that you didn't, you didn't get a chance to come on random before. So I wanted to mention it to you. And that is Chernobylite which is another game that has uh, both Russian and English voiceovers, but very, very different games, uh, maybe equally scary, but in very different ways. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Chernobylite? And you also loved it. You gave it a, I mean, another 88. <laughs> or uh, Chernobylite. Uh, Chernobylite. That would be the, the, the Russian pronunciation. I was, Chernobylite. I was saying that for weeks to myself because <laughs> it's a really fun, a really fun word to say. Yeah, I guess... Uh, I kind of joke to myself that I have the the Euro European beat here at RPG Fan. I, I just really seem do. to take I seem to take on a, a lot of European games. It, it's not not something I do consciously, but it, it just seems to turn out that way. Yeah, well, I mean, the Farm Fifty One is located if I I believe it's in Poland. So. It's Polish, yeah, yeah. So Chernobylite. Uh, so in Chernobylite, you play as um, as Igor. He was a nuclear engineer at the. Uh, Chernobyl plant uh, at the time of the disaster in 1986. His wife was also an engineer at the plant, and she went missing around that time. So modern day, 35 years later, Igor is headed back to Chernobyl, uh, trying to find out what happened to his wife. Uh, You know, I'd say that Black Black Book took place in kind of a horror setting, but uh, Chernobyl is definitely firmly a, a horror game. It's you know part of the intent is to is to frighten the the player. <laughs> did it frighten you? It did. <laughs> uh, you know I'm I'm pretty good with horror movies, but uh, horror games kind of make me a little twitchy. <laughs> uh, so it, part of that may be because I'm I'm a bit of a weakling, but you know I relate. <laughs> I mean I think all of us are weaklings when we are we are in the exclusionary zone surrounded by monsters. 
Yeah. I don't think you need to be uh, the strongest. Even if you were the strongest person in the world, you're probably still going to be pretty scared in that. Hell, I would be scared if my radiation meter went off like just oh once. Oh my god! <laughs> it, and it goes off a lot. <laughs> did you play? Did you play Stalker at all? No, uh, barely. Um, I, I've uh, I'm barely aware of it. Um, okay, I, I, I booted it up a couple times. It, it's pretty. You know, a lot of people were comparing. Uh, Chernobylite to Stalker. I've heard interesting contrasts and comparisons between the two, and that's what makes me interested because I, I, like everyone else, modded Stalker to within an inch of its life and played so much of it. That's one of the most like atmospheric games that's ever been made, in my opinion. And Chernobylite looks like it's it's definitely got the atmosphere down. Like I don't know from what you've said and your review, and and from what I've heard other people say, it sounds really good. But there are some really interesting differences. I guess Chernobyl is more about like community building, right? Uh, it is a bit. You you do have a base, and and you you collect uh, you collect companions. Does anybody sit down around a campfire and play guitar? <laughs> uh, no, not exactly. Okay, well that's okay. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of Stalker. Does anyone sit around a campfire and play accordion? <laughs> <laughs> No, the accordion didn't, accordion didn't make it to, uh, to Chernobyl, I guess. Didn't make it to Ukraine. <laughs> the reason why I really am intrigued by this is because one of my favorite genre of YouTubers is Abandoned Places. I love Abandoned Places. Oh, YouTube yeah, videos. totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 they're just awesome. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. And I mean, obviously, there are a few holy grails of Abandoned Places. And one of them, of course, is Chernobyl. Because, you know, it was abandoned, everyone left, so nature managed to take it over. Weird. Why why was Chernobyl abandoned? I don't know. They probably just they probably all left on a picnic or vacation or something and they just forgot to come back. They're like, you know what, the next town over, like Pripyat's good and all. Next town over is a little better when they all decided at the same time. I but looking at these images, I am I am struck by how, I mean, obviously I've never been there, but it looks very authentic. It looks like a recreation of the area, and that is really interesting to me. If people have time, you should uh, you should check, uh, check out their production di- diaries on Steam. Uh, the, the production team, probably against their better judgment, uh, went to the exclusionary zone themselves and, oh. and took photos and recreated wow. a lot of sites that they, they found there. Yeah, because this theme park looks spooky. There is, there is one interesting story about... Uh, I believe it was one of their photographers. When you go to the exclusionary zone, you, you apparently had to check in with the actual stalkers so that they know they can tell you where to go, where not to go, <laughs> how to mm. stay safe. On one day when, when the crew is leaving the zone, everyone gets uh, you know checked out for radiation. Uh, and uh, one, of the, one member of the production crew, his, uh, his shoes were setting off the sensor. And so uh, he had his, he had to leave his shoes there. <laughs> oh my and, uh, God. <laughs> uh, it's it sounds like uh, the, this crew the, this crew definitely went the extra mile. <laughs> I hope they went on a bus afterwards or something. I hope you didn't have yeah. to like walk too much after that. <laughs> That's wild. Man. But yeah, um, if you're if you're interested in, uh, I definitely recommend checking out the production diaries. It's it's interesting stuff. Well, yeah, the uh, I, I mean, I I remember the video I watched was um, exploring with Josh. And he's a, he's a very, very active uh, Abandoned Places YouTuber. And the thumb, I'm looking at it right now, the thumbnail of his, uh, of one of his Chernobyl videos is it, almost the exact screenshot of the theme park. Like it's, 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 it's identical. And that's, that's really quite impressive. You know, we mentioned that the, this was a horror game and um, certainly one of the, it, it's scary just walking around the buildings. Uh, like if, if I was walking around Chernobyl during the day, I, I 
like I, I could probably go to the actual site and, and not feel too frightened, but but at night, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think I would be. I don't think I would handle that very well. The Farm Fifty One also created a uh, a virtual walkthrough of of uh, of Chernobyl. That's you know that's that's another thing that they they produced out of um, out of their experiences uh, working on this game. Wow, they have like an academic bent. Yeah, to them. that's cool. Yeah, they looked at the uh, they looked at what. Uh what the Assassin's Creed games were doing. They're like, we could do that just with, you know, a more recent disaster. <laughs> but yeah, it's scary enough looking, walking through the dilapidated buildings, uh, you know, junk all over the floors. But then, you know, the, the game drops monsters in there. <laughs> uh, you, you can often hear them tromping around or can hear their, their portal that they're coming out of open up. Uh, it might not even be next to you, but you know that they're they're in there, and you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to face them eventually. So that's that's pretty scary. You know it, that kind of gets my heart racing just kind of just thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for uh, telling us about these two uh, Eastern European games. I will keep an eye out for any more Eastern European games <laughs> and be sure to give them to you as our Eastern <laughs> European correspondent. Apparently. <laughs> I'm sure I'll take them. Yeah. So we uh, we were in uh, we were in with the devil, and then we were into like kind of sci fi esque horror. Uh, why don't we do something a little bit lighter? Why don't we play some uh, some pinball? How about some pinball? Uh, Pete, have you been playing any pinball games lately? <laughs> yeah, I've been playing World Flipper quite a bit. World Flipper. What is that? World Flipper. So World Flipper's uh, mobile game has been out in Japan for I think around two years now. It just got released here, and it's a it's a pinball RPG, and it's it's so much fun. So pretty much, there, there's a, there is a story mode. It's very cute, you know. There's you know, it's it's candy. I wouldn't say it's like a three course meal, but it's really good candy, and. Uh, the the story is that is there is nothing wrong with candy. Uh, not nothing. No, not a single thing. It's just a bunch of really cute characters, and there, it's a gotcha game. So you're using currencies that you get for free if you choose to get them for free and uh, have the time for it. And you pull characters; they're all adorable. You know, I, I I do wonder, like with Genshin Impact, it makes sense because there aren't that many characters so they can make every character just utterly spectacular and breathtaking and full of like all kinds of charisma but with these other games like world flipper and other kind of gotcha games with characters in them it i do really wonder what it takes to make so many characters so cute and so detailed and with some of these games there's like over a hundred or like hundreds of characters and so you know this is no different i don't know how many characters are in are in uh world flipper but they're all you know really cute anime really fun characters and so the way it works is you build a party of three characters and they are pretty much your lead character acts as the ball and the other two trail behind it and you're in these environments that you might find in an rpg like a forest or like a castle or a dungeon or a, or whatever and there's little flippers at the bottom and you kind of launch your characters up and you attack enemies by hitting them and so it's a pinball table that constantly changes as enemies get spawned in or as you destroy enemies. If you hit them before it comes back down, before you come back down on your flippers, you build up a combo and you can use that energy from the combo to unleash different special attacks. And then there's another tier of super where just after 
so many hits, you're, you're building up a meter. Once the meter gets full, you swipe in a certain direction and you can use one of each of your three characters' abilities. They're, they're mapped to a direction that you swipe. So like your lead character, you swipe up. Your second one, you swipe left. And your third one, you swipe right to activate their special. And so like right now I have a this robot, like this really dapper three-piece suit wearing robot in my party. Hmm. And his super is just like a beam cannon from Gundam or whatever. It's pretty awesome where he'll just hit the nearest target. Uh, it's got really nice boss battles where they'll have a, they'll often summon a special attack. And while they're summoning it, a weak spot will appear. And if you hit them on the weak spot, it interrupts their cast and does extra damage. And it's really cool. I mean, the team building is really great. There's, there's um, considerations of like elemental affinities so if you're facing off against forest enemies, you might want to take like fire characters with you or um, things like that. They all have all your characters have different supers and you attach other characters to one of your three characters. So each each of the, your, your three characters in your party can have another kind of tag along character that doesn't appear on the screen, but they augment their abilities. So uh, the first character you meet in this game has a meteor strike that just hits an area of effect. But if you pair him up with the forest archer lady that heals you, then the area of effect will do the damage, but it will also heal your whole party. So you can mix and match abilities that way. There's a lot of really neat team building stuff like that. Um, It's really, you know, it's much better. I mean, the game's been running for a long time, but somehow they managed to get a lot of mechanics and a lot of... uh, I might say strategy that might be a little generous, but we'll just say strategy for for argument's sake. Out of a pinball game, it's great. <laughs> I've never been that into pinball either, but this is a lot of fun. The extent of my pinball playing was almost entirely the Windows 95 rocket yeah, pinball game. Oh yeah, the spaceship <laughs> one. Yeah. Oh yeah, we all remember that. Yeah, I think everyone played that. Uh, although I do, one of my favorite games on my phone when I'm just, I don't know, I guess not anymore, but during whenever I was commuting or going to, uh, going on the subway or something like that. It was a pinball game called Ink. Uh, it was this beautiful game where you, it, it's a pinball game, but there would be like ink pads all over the, I guess, the board, and you'd have to explode them all to create like works of art. And it was super fun, but it was, well, that's cool. Yeah, but it was also very, very simplistic. So it sounds like these folks have taken just pinball mechanics and they have very smartly mapped RPG mechanics onto that. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, Aside from the characters you can like tag along with your party members, there's also a little bit of equipment. There's you can assign either one or two pieces of equipment. I don't remember that. That's just purely statistical. That's just like augments your stats in some way. Um, but yeah, they do. You know, they do go pretty deep on the mechanical side. It is a mobile gotcha game, so it's overwhelming at first. Uh, you know, these games do tend to ease you into the mechanics a little bit. And I feel like this game has for the most part, but really Genshin Impact trained me on like how to, (laughs) how to progress in a mobile game. So I think I brought some of that to this and that's helped me Mm. because I don't know if I hadn't played a gotcha game this much before, if I would have kind of any as easy a time as I'm having parsing how to build my party. But as far as just playing it, um, yeah, it's really intuitive. You just tap the screen to move both the flippers, and depending on where your your characters land on the flipper, it's it's you know, just like pinball. There's some physics to it. Yeah, it's a pinball game. But there's also while they're on the board, you can tap again and they'll dash. A little arrow will appear, 
facing the nearest like hittable object, so usually an enemy, mm-hmm. and you can tap it and have them dash to it. So that's how you get them like behind a boss to a weak point and hit it, and they'll just like pounce on the on the weak point. And so it does um, mess with the physics a little bit in that, and that that does add a, a lot to the kind of arcade gameplay of it there's some the the bosses will often shoot out like bullet hell patterns but of course you can't really do much to dodge them other than just launching your characters and doing the dash um Mm. but it's not as reliable as like dodging bullets in in a bullet hell shooter um but there is some of that so you could probably get really good uh with the mechanics on hand at um some of those maneuvers but yeah i mean it's really arcadey it's you know, it's super quick. Like each scenario will just last you like a minute and a half to two minutes. Um, as far as I've played so, so far mm-hmm. and, uh, a, a lot of fun and with a surprising amount of depth and, and the team building is great. It sounds like it has uh, a, a very, I don't want to say addictive, but intriguing gameplay loop. Yeah. I don't feel myself compelled to like push on and like keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. So I don't know if it's like, I mean, for someone it's going to be addictive, I'm sure, but I think I've dodged that bullet so far, but as a quick thing, if I'm like in line somewhere, like I might want to pull out Genshin Impact, but that might not be the best move. I'll pull out World Flipper and do something on that. And that's like guaranteed I'll be done with whatever I'm doing by the time I get to the front of the line, you know? Yeah, it gives you a quick, it gives you a quick hit rather than, uh, I don't know. I, I haven't played Genshin Impact, but I hear it's quite a, quite an expansive game. Yeah. From you, actually, I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, that game's good. But this is good too. And I'm at the point now where I'm like doing my dailies on World Flipper before I do my dailies on Genshin Impact. And that's like, that's, uh, I don't know. The first step to getting away from Genshin Impact? <laughs> You're funny. You are funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Whew. Thanks for that. I needed that laugh. Here's the thing, Pete. If you want to break your addiction to that to Genshin Impact, you gotta you gotta play a game that's on like a a modern console, something that's like cutting edge, something that beats yeah. all of the rest of the consoles. Uh, something totally something that has a, a number in it. Maybe something that does like 3D. Oh, that's oh, a good idea. Oh yeah. So there's another game that you've been playing, which you told me you were playing this, and I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I don't think we can spend too much time on it, but sure. I did want to I did want to ask you a few questions about it. So tell me, what are you playing right now on the legendary console 3do yeah 3do is the latest thing i'm on um you know i'm always on the cutting edge yeah i know the people with the snes and the genesis they're just shaking and just thinking "Ooh, the lucky devil yeah they're thinking they are saying that i'm very lucky i have heard that from them um that uh, i have the 3do the only way you could be lucky is if you had a jaguar <laughs> that's not get crazy um <laughs> no I, i'm playing i'm playing this game on my 3do called immersionary and it is it's a it's a first person cyberpunk RPG. It's a first person shooter RPG hybrid. Their stats, you're leveling up your stats. Well, this is very intriguing to me because this is the first time I've ever heard that 3DO has games. Uh, yeah, well, it's got at least three. <laughs> I can I can personally vouch that it has three games um, at least. And Mercenary is one of the best ones. Like I'm having a killer time with this game. It's uh it's an open world 3D first person game. Um, the opening introduction to the game has FMV that like really works for me. I think it's actually pretty good 
direction and acting and they do a bunch of silly 90s stuff with it like they separate the characters into panels and they'll like say their line and then it'll switch to the other panel like on the screen almost like that hulk movie that tried to be a comic book that ang lee directed Mm. kind of a similar ish idea much less sophisticated but it kind of worked for me i kind of thought it was cool and the actors are not bad and um and then they bring you into this facility and they jack you into this virtual world like basically unceremoniously the game opens with you seeing the guy before you who they call number four die in the chair like in the matrix chair right and then so he dies they stretcher him out and you come in and like okay number five you're up and they just jack you into cyberspace and the whole game takes place in there and the world is i would describe it as something like second life like a kind of a second life type thing. So I think this program was supposed to be a virtual world like like a second life type thing, but it's just gone completely to hell and it's just open warfare. And so when you're walking around, all the enemies are all fighting each other and they're also fighting you. So it makes it feel very, very lively. It play in the, in the city. There's like distinct districts. Like there's like a cemetery, there's a park, there's an industrial district. It's pretty well realized but it's very surrealistic. It's like a bizarro version of a city. Mm. And um, the game is full of really great puns, usually of like a computer-y nature. So when you enter for the first time, you're rank 255, and your mission is to get to rank two and then kill perfect one, who is number one and also in charge of everything in this virtual world. So you can, I guess, free everyone who's trapped inside. I don't know, something like that. Um, And... So you're ranked 255 and obviously like 256 is like, I don't know, a computer number, you know, and mm. um, you gain rank uh, just by killing other kind of avatars in the world. It plays like a bad doom. So uh, you you control almost like almost like you're on a vehicle. So you like accelerate and decelerate in reverse with the up and down buttons. And yeah, the 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 combat's all based on like locking onto enemies and it almost never works. Um, it's kind of a nightmare, honestly, but then in the middle you have three stats, your RPG stats are defense, offense, and agility. So it's D O a. And then in the middle of the city, there's a place called D O a dash S Y S. So it's D Oasis, which is great. Right. And it's like a no fire zone where when you enter it, all your stats get healed up and, and, but you see all of the enemies there with you or at least some of them, not all of them. And you can go up and talk to them. So then it's like an adventure game type thing where you can talk to them and you can gain information about the world and about other enemies, maybe clues about how to defeat them. Some of them will tell you where to find some items. And so it's it's absolutely bonkers. And I'm kind of thrilled about it. Like, I think it's a really cool game that did a lot of stuff. It was developed. It was published by EA and developed by this company called Five Miles Out, and this was the only game they did, and then they they disappeared. As did many other people that were involved in the 3DO. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not gonna make fun. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna make fun of the 3DO probably quite a bit more in this, but <laughs> but it's it's fascinating to me that the 3DO was not released, and it wasn't like it was expected to be a failure. Like companies like Five Miles Out and lots of other people they put a lot of work into these games and this system and it just it obviously didn't work on any conceivable level because it was costing too much money the technology wasn't there yet lots and lots and lots of reasons but it seems like a lot of talented people were involved in this uh system and with this game yeah you know i mean it, it was the f- they called it the first 32-bit system 
you know? And it might have done okay if it didn't launch at seven hundred dollars in like nineteen ninety three dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, no, definitely. I mean, this was a Trip Hawkins thing. Who was the electronic arts guy? Right. I think I got that right. I think I have every part of that thing I just said line up the right way. Um, and so, therefore, a lot of you know, a lot of electronic arts published games were on it. So, a lot of quality games that were elsewhere did end up on the 3D in some way or another. There's like a version of FIFA. There's also like some of the best home console versions at the time of Street Fighter 2 and Samurai Showdown hmm. are on the 3DO. They're almost arcade perfect at the time. There was a really good version of Road Rash, which was basically like the Windows 95 version of Road Rash. Yeah, this game itself was very well reviewed in its time. Um, it was between like generally it looks like it was between an 80 and 90 was what people were thinking of it at the time there was almost nothing like it especially like in first person and it with a seamless open world where you can go anywhere you know it's like yeah i i i would rate it highly right now like all of its quirks and everything i think that this unfortunately for a long time was um one of the games that was difficult to run by other means, because this is a 3DO exclusive. Mm. So I don't know if by now they figured that out. I am playing it on a 3DO. But um, I mean, I think if there were if there were a way for someone to play it, it's a cool curiosity. I, I mean, I would, I would say it's more than a curiosity. I think there's a lot of really great things about it. Mm. Um, it can be really intense. The characters are really interesting. Sometimes they're a little bit offensive. <laughs> I got to admit it was 1995. It was 1995. But the characters are really interesting. There's um, uh, just the concept it's, it's, it, itself of um, so just some of the details around the edges are super. They help flesh out in your imagination what this world might be like. The, the fodder enemies are called goners because they're supposed to be people who are like almost completely absorbed in the program and are maybe like almost dead in real life or something. Mm. And they're called goners because they're goners. But it's also with one N because they're polygoners, because they're like disembodied, <laughs> weird, disconnected polygons, <laughs> vaguely in the shape of a humanoid. You know what I mean? I do, actually. Oh, man. It's so good. And the, it, the game does stuff like this all the time. And it is really silly, but it works for me. I think it's great. Like, I'll take all this, all the dumbest puns, like DOA sis, I love. It's the Oasis. The fact that DOA appeared in this game for the 3DO is like, hmm, DOA. Dead on arrival. Yes, another good pun. Defense, offense, agility, and dead on arrival. And the gameplay, honestly, with all of its weirdness, can get... Like, I'm constantly... Like, my heart rate is constantly going up in a good way. It's really thrilling if you can... I mean, if I paid $700 for a 3DO, my heart rate would probably be going up, too. Yeah, well, yes. Even in in 2021 dollars. But I often see my, like my life gauge, my, um, my D right. The defense, um, mm-hmm. hitting, you know, ticking down cause I'm getting hit. And since you're in a city, there's often buildings nearby. So it, I've found it effective to, it feels real. It feels real to like duck in an alleyway, like get out of there, duck in an alleyway and like try to find a relatively safe spot for just a second and look around you for like these recovery towers that exist in the world mm-hmm. that it, when you stand by them, they recover whatever stat they represent. So it can get really intense and, you know, sometimes it's, it's frustrating. Sure. The controls are objectively bad, but somehow they get kind of the action part of it down too. And also just the fact that you can talk to the enemies and sometimes they're really friendly to you in the Oasis. 
it's almost like, yeah, we're all just stuck here, you know? So if we don't have to fight each other, we might as well be cordial to each other or something. That's neat. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like it has some elements of, there were a lot of things in the mid nineties that were kind of obsessed with this whole living in a computer thing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to remotely pretend that I did not love reboot when I was a kid. Reboot is awesome. Reboot is awesome. Reboot is amazing. Reboot looks a lot better than Immersionary visually too. I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It does. Reboot was great. It did not deserve its reboot, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember like the, the lawnmower man. Uh, if you remember the the extremely yep. 90s uh, computer oh, yeah. graphics from, from that movie. The, <laughs> the front cover of a mercenary, if you look it up, is basically like a lawnmower man in like an exosuit. But it's all chrome, you know, like just like lawnmower man. It is something that probably took approximately three and a half months to render. Yeah. They built that out, image. hit render and came back the next like came back on Monday. Came back on Monday. Um well, thank you both for uh, taking us through that and uh, talking about the games that you've been playing. Before we go, I kind of want to drop in a little bit and talk about the PlayStation presentation that just happened a couple of days ago, because a lot of games got announced and a few games that were specifically right in RPG fans wheelhouse. And I don't know, I just want to talk about some what, what your thoughts about them, if you're excited about them. I think the one that, I mean, there were a lot of games that got a lot of people really excited, but the one that just knocked me over in my chair was Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake uh, announced for PlayStation 5. But that's an Xbox game, though. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't. I, this is something I missed when it first came out. And a few years ago, when, uh, when uh, Boss Fight Books released their book about the making of and uh, i actually reviewed the book for the site and i just for fun i did a retro review of the game and i just loved it i thought it was amazing i thought it was the best piece of star wars that i've seen or played in years and i think that a lot of people at the time felt the same way and the fact that it's getting a remake because it it's very very good but even when it's modded out it's still it still feels a little dated but the remake is announced. We don't know if it's going to be an RPG yet. Apparently some original team members are involved, but it could be an RPG. They could go full action. I don't know. Have either of you two played uh, KOTOR or anything like it? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was uh, one, of the main, one of the main reasons I bought the original Xbox. <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, ironic that uh, it's now a Sony exclusive. Uh, I've only played a little bit of it, um, to be honest. It's one of the things on my pile of shame. But yeah, I mean, I play, I play Dragon Age. I played other like late Bioware stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm interested. Certainly I'm interested. Yeah, I really have my fingers crossed that this is going to be an RPG because this is the kind of thing that I would love to cover for the site. It's such a it's such a fantastic story. And even though, see, the million dollar question is, will they actually keep the story as is because it's pretty darn iconic and the twist, the twist in it, the I am your father moment in it is is famous now it's it's one of the biggest twists in video games but will they do that again will they give it another twist will they play around with that that's that's the question like are they going to do a straight ahead remake are they going to go a little bit final fantasy 7 remake with it and really change things up i mean i'd imagine they'd probably want to leave the story mostly intact it it would be the the gameplay that i would think would be the the thing that might get a refresher Mm. you know i I could think of uh you know getting a more of a you know say like a mass effect style of uh of gameplay I, I don't know if that would work very well, but uh, I could definitely see them going a little bit more actiony because uh, you know the the old game it was it was pretty much based on like a, a Dungeons and Dragons sort of sort of system, I think, right? Yeah, I loved it, but it it, it was it could be pretty slow at times. It, there's 
got to be RPG elements in it. You know, like ever since I mean, there's precedent that of of, um, you know, RPG mechanics almost certainly being in this remake that go all the way back to like Jedi Knight and Jedi Knight 2, you know, where, which were action games that had a stat element to it. So even if they do go more action, there's got to be some stat. I mean, I would be surprised if there weren't some kind of player progression, some kind of mechanical uh, you know, complexity to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, after Final Fantasy re- Remake, though, speaking of the story, I mean, that might that that might set a precedent of remakes of people being more willing to subvert the story. I, I'm i with Abe. I don't think they will. But I mean, now we have a precedent of them doing that and fooling with the story of an old game. So well, we'll see what happens with it. Another game that a lot of uh, a lot of people on the site have been looking forward to was Forspoken, and when this particular trailer came out and we got a little bit more insight into the game, it was a bit of it. I don't want to say a letdown, but it was a little bit. Uh, I think I have the pronunciation right. Uh, Isikai, Isikai, that's it. Uh, where it's a it's a game where like person from the real world falls through a magical portal and ends up in a fantasy land. Like when it first popped up, my first thought was, oh, wow, we're getting another trailer for uh, Stranger in Paradise. And then it turned out to be Forspoken, like to the point where I just wanted her to say chaos just once in the trailer, just to just to troll the audience. (laughs) Yeah, I I think this is a character that could have been very charming. Maybe she is. Um, But yeah, uh, like the whole like there's a freaking dragon is like, all right, like, you know, I don't know if this is the right move necessarily. There was like there was like three God of War games shown basically, and this was one of them, right? Mm. Like I don't know. It, it looks really beautiful, and as um oh I don't know if I told you guys this actually, but I played this game. Um, I think it's called Genshin Impact. Uh, as a Genshin Impact player, there was like some elemental stuff she was doing that had me kind of putting my hand on my chin in a pensive way. So maybe there's cool stuff there with like magic and stuff, but I, I, I'd have to see more. Yeah, I still have hope mm. for it, but I have to admit that it's not my favorite kind of story genre. I just I just don't have much of an interest in it, to be completely honest. Yeah, I I, I don't think the the story registered with me particularly very much at at all. Let's see. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Another one that got uh, some attention was Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which looks to be a a Borderlands love letter to D&D. It was announced a couple of months ago, and we finally got a look at the game, and it looks a hell of a lot like Borderlands. It's Borderlands, baby! Yeah, Yeah, it's Borderlands. If you love Borderlands, you're probably going to love this game. Um, my million dollar, the million dollar question for me is how many actual role-playing mechanics are going to be making it into this game? Because the whole central conceit of the game is that it is, it's, it's just tiny Tina playing, playing a tabletop RPG, but will they work those mechanics into the actual game? Will there be a progression system, a leveling system? I mean, those, those always were in Borderlands, you know, um, those kinds of things, the gaining of skills and the progression, those have been in Borderlands. So they've been in Borderlands, but I would argue that if they're doing a love letter to D and D, I think that they should really lean into some of those mechanics. Yeah. I don't know if they will or not. It'll be interesting to see if they do. I mean, the party walked by a giant, uh, 12 sided die and that was pretty Hmm. cute, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sure what they have up their sleeve with that one. It seems like it's going to be Borderlands. Hey, there was some like magic that they were showing again. Um, mm. 
there was a big monster that they turned into, into like a cute spectral being that just ran away. Who You know, I don't know. Yeah, well, it, I'll keep my eye open on that one. I was I thought it was pretty cute looking. But yeah, as far as whether or not we're going to cover it here, uh, that'll be interesting to see. And uh, I, I mean, there were some other games, but for me, the big one that I don't care if it's an RPG or not, I'm still going to mention it. <laughs> Deathloop looks so damn Deathloop, good. baby. Yeah. Arcane is back. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I am I'm so ready. ready for this game. It comes out, as of recording, it's going to be coming out tomorrow. And it is a game that I, I think a lot of people are desperate to play. I love Dishonored. Uh, I wish there were more RPG mechanics in it so we could cover it. But there's not. And there's not in this game. And I don't care. I'm going to be spending my hard-earned time playing Deathloop. Yep, me too. Dishonored <laughs> mechanics in a Groundhog Day-esque scenario with this aesthetic. It's catnip for me. I can't help but play it. I'm very excited. It looks very... It just looks incredible. Yeah, it's um, and it's, it's kind of exciting to see more uh, more mainstream games adopting uh, roguelike elements. Uh, I remember there was... There's something from earlier this year that uh, was kind of an action game that was kind of roguelike in, in space or something. I don't remember what that game was called, but mm. it's but yeah, it's exciting to see the you know kind of uh, mechanics from more like hardcore style games making their ways into mainstream games. Well, since we're kind of on that, and I kind of transitioned to it with Deathloop, uh, this is a discussion question. I'm not going to go deep into your histories with games or anything like we usually do for discussion questions. I'm just going to ask you a nice, a nice, simple, right over the plate question, which is. What is a game that's coming out this year or maybe early next year that you are super excited for? It doesn't need to be an RPG. It could be anything. Just what what is something that when you see it, it just makes you go, oh, yes, please. Oh, I mean, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is in November. Uh, you, get, uh, you know, I just played a game where you spend a lot of time dealing with demons <laughs> in a very different way than, than you do in Shin Megami, Shin Megami Tensei games. But you, you always got to look for, forward to those games. Uh, I mean... It's a staple. It's a you know JRPG staple at this point. Yeah, and this one looks like it's going to blow the roof off the place. Yeah, the the art, the characters, it looks uh, pretty amazing. Um, a, a, a huge step from the the previous games in the series. Yeah, I'm very curious if they're going to be pulling some of the lessons that they learned with Persona Five and into this one. And I, I imagine they would. Maybe I'm guessing it's probably still going to be a hundred hours long though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, Hopefully we get it with plenty of time to spare for the review. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, how are you feeling? What are you what are you looking forward to? I actually can't think of off the top of my head of when this is supposed to come out. It might be 2022. So I'm sorry if I'm bending the rules, but speaking of what we were talking about before, there's a new stalker game coming out. Yeah. I believe it's April. Oh, is it that soon? Oh no. I think That's, so. Oh, okay. Uh, it, yeah. Who knows if that'll stick, but time to upend my life. Um the uh i mean it's like a year it's it's a year, what eight months from now seven months from now it's fine mm-hmm. um it seems like they understood what makes stalker so amazing now it's just a trailer and they did open that trailer with like basically a call of duty sequence but as it went on you got to see more and more of what makes that game so special um and I'll briefly mention something I'm excited about, just uh, not necessarily for myself, but in general, is uh, Mech Warrior Five Mercenaries. After having just got an Xbox release, is getting a PlayStation release too. Oh yeah! So Mech Warrior Five is going to be out on PlayStation, and that's really cool to, th- to think. The trailer, <laughs> so I, I just 
wasn't thinking I'd bring this up, but um, there was recently a big update for MechWarrior 5 that like blew up a whole bunch of mods and like caused a lot of trouble for a lot of people who were making really good mods for that game. And the trailer for the PlayStation release showed that they might be implementing melee combat so you can like punch with your mechs and hit other mechs with it. Hmm. And some of the people in some of the discords of the mods that I use for my copy of MechWarrior 5 are like, sweating bullets like are they going to break this game again so some excitement some trepidation for that one but yeah i mean it's overall i'm happy it's going to be basically everywhere cool well my uh my is mine is metroid dread uh mike salbato and i have been talking about it and both of us are just like over the moon excited about this because i mean i know that we only cover the vania side of metroidvania on this site but holy if there was ever a game that makes me wish that we covered the Metroid side of Metroidvania, it's well, oh, would that Metroid, be Metroid? You know? <laughs> yeah, it just it's a it's a friggin' two D Metroid game, and I mean yeah. that's really really difficult not to be super excited about. It looked really cool. I love a persistent enemy that chases you throughout the love the, the game. I love that. It looks like what they were trying to do with Fusion, but using modern technology, so they can actually like track you down and hopefully they have better ai sure they will ai is 2021 ai is great (laughs) (laughs) well thank you both for being on this episode i really appreciate it and really love talking to you guys about some games please come on again at some point in the future um and uh i just want to do a little bit of housekeeping before we wrap things up so uh if you had a good time listening to us this week or you you know just like random in general and you think boy i sure wish that i had something to listen to when i was driving we have a massive backlog of random episodes we've been running continuously now for 11 years which is absolutely insane uh there are no signs of stopping we will be keeping going as long as they make video games uh we are going to be covering them hopefully uh but we also have other podcasts on the site if you love retro games I highly suggest that you check out Retro Encounter. That's hosted by our very own Mike Solosi. Uh, every week, he and a panel of RPG staffers, they dive into the games of yesterday with the perspective of today. And uh, I've been on a few episodes recently. I'm going to be on a few more episodes in the future. Uh, again, can't ruin any of them because Mike Solosi uh, is uh, a mastermind. But I will say that we have some very some some exciting episodes coming up in the future. We also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG Fans' music podcast. It's going to be every second Monday. It's going to be alternating with us here on Random every week. And uh, Rhythm examines the music of video games from every perspective. Next week uh, is going to be a Final Fantasy XIV episode because we are legally obligated to say Final Fantasy XIV on every episode of Random, whether we have an excuse to or not. But in this case, we have some very big Final Fantasy XIV fans on staff, so it's actually going to be an amazing episode. I just finished editing it. Uh, I have not played this game, much to the chagrin of many people on staff, but I will tell you this, the music is incredible. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely one that you want to listen to. And uh, finally, we have our partner podcast, Phoenix Edge, and uh, they usually cover like news and stuff like that. But last week, they did something really, really interesting, and they did an in-depth interview uh, with some of the folks behind the indie RPG studio, Something Classic, about their new retro-inspired RPG quartet. Uh, and this looks to be, if you like retro style RPGs, this looks to be an absolutely incredible game. Uh, but specifically this episode is a fascinating look at what goes into designing a game that delivers a modern twist on retro ideas, especially for RPGs. So if you are in any way intrigued by retro style RPGs, this is an episode I think you really want to check out. Uh, they did a, they did a really, really good job on it. It was a fascinating fascinating bunch of interviews if you'd like to get in contact with us here at random encounter you can fire us off a message at podcastrpgfan.com. 
I would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have ideas for future episodes, if you have ideas for discussion questions, anything else you'd like to share, please drop us a line. Uh, if you want to talk to me directly, you can do so at jloganrpgfan.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. I think that I've been saying that wrong for like the last 150 <laughs> episodes, but it is at Jono underscore Logan, not at Jono Logan. So that's my Twitter, Jono underscore Logan. But I, I don't think that anyone else has that much trouble actually knowing where they can be found. So uh, Abe, where where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at Babe Moby, B-A-B-E-M-O-B-Y. There's no underscore in between that. It's just Babe Moby, right? No underscores. I keep things simple. Yeah. You're a, you're a smart, smart, smart man. Um, and Pete, where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm Pete Barbero one uh, On Twitch, I'm RG Halfpenny. Um, I've been streaming MechWarrior 5. I've been streaming some Immersionary actually lately too, now that I have my, my setup kind of coming together a little bit um and uh shoot that's it i guess um yeah twitter i guess if you if you if you're dying to get a hold of me you can find me there pete barbero one well thank you both for being on this episode i really really appreciate it and uh thank you everyone listening for joining us so we're going to be back in two weeks with another random maybe greg might be here uh it all depends on whether or not he has uh, been pulling his hair out Greg is telling me that he's old now and uh, he's tired. So uh, we'll see. No, he's not uh, even remotely. Well, he's 37. So I'm 37. How old are you guys? I'm 37. <laughs> oh, God, we're all old. Yeah. Oh, that was another thing, Pete. Delightful thing that you as a hair, as a, as a barber will know. I, again, hadn't got my hair cut for two years. Got my hair cut. And I was like, holy crap, my temples are completely gray. And I did not expect that at all. Top 25 best things to ever happen to you. Don't worry about it. Embrace it. It's beautiful. No, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm Reed Richardsing it up right now, so yes. I'm pleased with it. Anyway, thank you all for joining us, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Play on. Good night. Later.